comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Facebook, no Twitter, no smartphones, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Everybody, to episode 55 of the Walking Dead TV podcast, where we'll be discussing this week's episode, Judge, Jury, Executioner. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined, like I said before, by the whole gang. We got Brad, Jim, John, and Russ. Everybody's here. How you guys doing? Doing well. We had a whopper of an episode. I didn't pay my internet bill. <laughs> Russ 1.0, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he's strung a, a tin can and a piece of string, and he's here tonight. It's like that dude on that soup commercial. Yes. Brad, you were not able to be with us last week for 18 Miles Out, and we did read your email, which was fantastic, but would you like to add anything? Well, I wanted to comment on the zombie in the field. Um, There's two things about it. My first thought was that it was not Buster because Buster had a purple shirt on, but then somebody on Facebook, and I, I beg your pardon, I've forgotten who it was exactly, and I didn't do the research to remind myself, but they said Buster could have been out in the sun, you know, this whole time walking, and uh, his his shirt could have been bleached. And, yeah, okay, I can see that, but I'm still going to go with it, it wasn't Buster. Even though I would like it to have been, I'm going to say, nah, no Buster. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to point out, somebody else caught this too, and they said something on Facebook. So, on the way out... With Randall, is his name Randall? Yes. I believe it's after they stop at the crossroads and have that chat, Rick and Shane, which is was kind of an interesting metaphor. They were at a crossroads, literally and figuratively. They get in the car. This is after Rick's told Shane how it's going to be, and they're driving. And this is the first time sees Shane. Uh, Shane sees the zombie, and the zombie is walking. If Shane's looking to his right, and the zombie is walking in the direction the car is driving, you would think that on their way back, the zombie would be walking in the opposite direction. But again, when they see him, he's walking in the direction the car's going. So either it was a huge editing error or the zombie made basically like a U-turn while they were gone and started walking back towards where he came from. (laughs) And uh, which is, you know, probably doable for a zombie. So I'm going to go with that. I'm just thinking that zombie's lost and... Maybe his eyes were closed. You ever tried to walk a straight line with, with your eyes closed? You can't do it. So maybe he uh, maybe he's a blind zombie, and he thought he was walking straight, and he basically made a big horseshoe from one side of the road to the other. Christopher Levine is the uh, gentleman who figured that out on Facebook, by the way, Brian. Just wanted to shout him out. Thank you. Yeah, as soon as I read that, I was like, dude, I noticed that too. So um, anyways, we can't all have – I mean, we can't, we can't be perfect 100% of the time, I guess. 
anyways, that's all I wanted to say about last week. Sweet. And we have a bunch of feedback that we need to get to after we do the recap of this show. Definitely the most feedback for any episode so far uh, since we've been doing our podcast, which is since the show began. So this is a very, I think, polarizing episode. And definitely it has a big ending uh, that we'll get to soon. Um, just to get back to normal a little bit, because we skipped some things last week. Uh, Jim, I think we have some iTunes reviews that we want to catch up on. Yes, we do, uh, John. Uh, we got uh, some really great iTunes reviews here. And if you would like to give us an iTunes review, we'd really appreciate it, because we always uh, really treasure and value the feedback of the, the listening audience. First uh, review I'm going to look at here is a great podcast, Five Stars from Megan Powell. Uh, I've recently switched to this podcast from another Walking Dead podcast, and I absolutely love it. These guys do a great job of giving details about the show. They do discuss information from the comic, but they always warn the listeners who do not wish to hear the comparisons to switch off, so they don't ruin it for those who don't want to know. Thanks so much, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Megan, for the great review. Can I um, Can I just jump in for a second here? Uh, I would just like to say to the unnamed podcast that uh, Megan switched from, na-na-na-na-na-na. Uh, I believe is the term. I believe well, you're looking. Is... You're wanting to say "nanny nanny boo boo." Stick yeah, your exactly. head in doo doo. Uh, next, we have from Tortimer's uh, great Walking Dead podcast. Five stars. This is the best Walking Dead podcast on iTunes. I love listening to all these guys, and they're a fun listen every week. I just started listening to these guys for this year's TV season. Great season so far, and great podcast. Keep up the good work, and I will make sure to catch each podcast from now on. Thank you, Tortimers. Appreciate that. Another five-star review. And finally, from Darth Akbar, uh, five-star review. Best Walking Dead trap. <laughs> Best Walking Dead podcast I've ever heard. Is that because it's the only one? Yes, I picked this from a host of others and never look back. This has just what I need, discussion about the series, the comics, and how they differ, the latest news and humor. These guys are just fun to listen to. They make it all interesting and aren't afraid to criticize the show when it missteps. Thanks a lot, Darth Akbar. Um, and I appreciate all the iTunes reviews that we could get. If you could uh, you know, take a minute to write one, tell us what you think about the show, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, we'd really appreciate it, and thank you to those listeners who did. Very good. So before I hand this over to Jordan for our recap, uh, we have to, of course, get to our sponsor, DCB Service. Please visit DCBService.com for all of your comic book and geeky needs. They have everything that you need, floppy comic books. They have trade paperbacks, hardcovers, apparel, toys, uh, anything that you can think of. Everything is discounted 40, 50, 60, even 75% off. Some of their new highlights for March, uh, DC's second wave of number one books. So DC Comics is putting out a whole bunch of number ones uh, for their second wave of comics. If you grab all of them in one shot, you get 50% off, which is six new number one issues, which is fantastic. Also, any new trade paperback or hardcover from Image Comics is 45 to 50% off. So that's going to include your latest Walking Dead trade paperback. Uh, it's also going to include the trade paperback of Rise of the Governor that Image has put out. Uh, if you missed out on the Jay Bonansinga and Robert Kirkman novel for Rise of the Governor, you can grab it in trade paperback form at dcbservice.com. Throw in the code WD8 and you're going to get an extra 8% on your order uh, if it's your first time ordering or if you haven't ordered in the last year. So that can bring you to way over 50% off for some of these deals, and you can't beat that. So we thank 
DCB Service once again. That's Discount Comic Book Service for their sponsorship, DCBService.com. So at this time, I think we're ready, Mr. From Jersey, for the synopsis of Judge, Jury, Executioner. All right, so the episode starts with Randall being tortured by Daryl. It's a pretty gross scene. It goes on for a few minutes and involves knives and punching and all kinds of gross things. And Randall tells us uh, at least a version of the group he came from. He says about 30 men uh, plus some women and children. But uh, he, he re- recalls a, a time when they happened on a few female teenagers and the rest of the group. Uh, they, they keep it somewhat vague, but it's clear enough for us to follow that uh, they did some very not nice things to these people and then left them alive to just kind of remember, which is terrible, but he swears that he had nothing to do with it, and uh, Daryl's not too happy with the story, and he, he continues to beat him up. Pretty brutal, brutal torture here. I mean, he's like, he puts his knife into the wound from the, the you know, previous episode where he, you know, his leg got impaled. I mean, for, you know, for regular, for cable television, I mean, I thought this was a pretty brutal interrogation scene, you know, beyond just the punching and everything else. I mean, he was, uh, I mean, he was uh, exacerbating his wound and just like, just really, I mean, putting it to him, you know, really torturing him. That was a pretty gnarly looking wound too, wasn't it? Yeah. It reminded me of, uh, Almost kind of like back on twenty four, it was a, it was kind of Daryl's Jack Bauer moment for for a little bit. But uh, I I I really like seeing kind of the old Daryl or them giving Daryl something to do in this episode. And I think the task that he had at hand was was fitting for his character and uh, and the type of person that they've shown him to be. So right off the bat, I was like, okay, we're we're off to a good start. Um, but was it just me or did you guys not fully um, the kid when he said? He had nothing to do with it. He didn't participate. Just, I don't know if it was just maybe, maybe it's true he, did, he didn't, but, I, or the way they wrote it or the way he was directed to do it. it to me, it just kind of had that feel of he's just telling Daryl what he wants to hear so he doesn't kill him. But it was kind of weird that he brought it up in the first place. It's like, why would you even bring that up? That's what it, I was thinking. You know, it was just so weird. Um, I was like, oh, this, he was in on it for sure. I, I, I am convinced of it. Well, we, we, we got in on this interrogation in the middle of it. So, you know, it had been going on for a while already. So he may have been putting up a front for a while, and then he realized, I better just start saying what this guy wants to hear. We had somebody on Facebook. Um, I believe it was Mick. That's going to be my guess, but I'm not looking at the Facebook page. That mentioned, don't you think he should have asked if they had seen Merle when the guy mentioned his big group of people? I didn't. I didn't come up with that when watching the scene, but I was wondering if any of you guys, if that ran through your mind, like wouldn't he be asking about Merle at this point? I that was know. that was that was Mick, by the way. I want to make sure we get the shout out out to McNeese. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think of that, but you know, like I said earlier, that the, the um, interrogation had been going on a while. Maybe that was one of the first few things he asked. That, that would have been, I think, maybe a little too coincidental. Um, you know that that. I guess the asking part would make sense because if he's really trying to find his brother, I mean, it's like, what do you got to lose? I mean, the worst I could happen is he asks and, and and somebody would say no. But I think if they would have tied it in somehow, I was like, man, that's really coincidental. <laughs> I, I'm with you guys. I don't know why Randall would have brought up that they, you know, basically raped these women and then tortured them and then let them live to, you know, suffer with the memories. It's just uh, of all the things, I mean, if he was trying to say what Daryl wanted to hear, then why would he bring that up, that particular thing up? I mean, he was telling him, you know, how many people and that they had automatic weapons, um, that, you know, they're pretty well armed and stuff. But I just, I, I'm with you guys. I don't understand why he brought that particular thing up. 
I forget who said uh, they thought he might have participated. I, I don't know that I got that feeling, but the way he was acting, I think, would make sense. That if he did participate, it might have been like a I spit on your grave type scenario where it wasn't his choice necessarily. I don't know. Some, something about that would seem to fit with his character, what little of it we've seen. I think he was trying to, like, show that he was appalled by it. You know, I'm not saying that's a good argument for why you would bring that up, but that's the vibe I got. Like, he was just trying to express that he was really, like, sickened by it and he wants nothing to do with them or something along those lines. So after that torture scene, uh, which, like Brad pointed out, we didn't get to see the whole thing, thankfully, because it would have been too much probably, uh, the news gets back to Rick of what uh, what Randall has said, and uh, Rick decides he's going to stand with Shane, and he says the kid's too big of a risk, they're going to have to kill him, and this just upsets Dale beyond all belief, and he says if they're actually going to consider this, he's going to try to convince everybody that they're not going to they're not going to sacrifice Randall because he thinks you know them not just doing this would be their them severing their last link with humanity basically, and that that's kind of the the central issue of this episode. It's a very Battlestar Galactica episode for anybody who watched the the remake of that show um, with the torture and with the discussion of the death penalty. It, it really felt like something they would have done. Yeah, I agree. I agree there. So while all this is going on, uh, Carl is kind of Carl's in this episode a lot, kind of going in and out of different different scenes. But he shows up inside the barn. He climbs in through a window, I guess. And uh, Randall's trying to talk to him. He says, "Hey, hey, little kid. You know, if you help me if you help me get out of here. I'll bring you back to my people and I'll keep your family safe." Um, and Carl is being kind of creepy and just staring at the guy. He doesn't talk to him at all. Uh, but he gets close to him, and this is when uh, this is when Shane busts in, finds him, and and kicks. Kicks Carl out, but before that had happened, um, Dale asks Andrea, "Can you cover the barn? Can you just, you know, stand as an armed guard, basically, to this kid, keep anybody from going in there and just murdering him while I try to convince everybody he needs to live?" So she's out front as a guard, and Shane comes and talks to her, and they have a they have a bit of a conversation where we can see she's a little trepidatious about killing Randall, but uh, Shane's Ch- Shane has other ideas and pretty much says, while Randall watches, by the way. We should just kill Rick and or I don't know if he specifically says that, but he says we should basically take the guns and take the house for ourselves. And if we have the guns and we have the power, they can't do anything. Yeah, that's the cool. Um, we got some cool shots from Randall's point of view. So he's kind of like peering through the cracks in the barn to to watch what's going on with Shane and Andrea. That's the scene, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I like that. How uh, we got his perspective of it. And you wonder think, if it's information that he's going to use against them later with Rick or, or something like that. I was kind of surprised he didn't pull it out when they were when they were forcing to kneel and blindfold him. Like he was just about to die, going, "The bald guy's going to kill you." You know. I thought that's what he was going to tell Carl. Like, hey, you need to, you know, go talk to your dad because this is what's the plan, and then you know, you know, to try and win Carl over. But man, this is a really creepy Carl episode. Um, when he was kind of up in the rafters there, and he was just staring at the guy and. You know, no matter what he told him, Carl just didn't say a word and just kind of cocked his head a little bit. I was like, I had a real weird, like, Michael Myers Halloween vibe from him. You know, where he kind of has that blank stare and he yeah, kind of cocked his head a little bit. I was like, man, that's, that's Carl kind of, kind of going over the edge a little bit. And, uh, Russ, actually, pretty- what came to me was, was the, uh, the little girls in The Shining. Oh, yeah. Like, he yeah. keeps popping up out of nowhere with, like, a blank stare. <laughs> yeah, it was really creepy. Really creepy. Um, I, I think Nick Apero, man, I, t- I tell you what, I, I think if he ever gets tired of uh, 
putting makeup on people and making, you know, head molds and, and, uh, and doing gunshot wounds. I think he's got, uh, I think he's got a career ahead of him as a director because I think, I think this episode was very well directed and, and very well shot. Yeah. I was just about to, to say we should bring up that he directed it. I was, I was, uh, very pleased with his, uh, directing in this episode. Lots of, lots of neat choices with shots and, and editing and pacing and things like that. I think he did a, fantastic job and it's nice because we got to see his directing before in the webisodes and i mean they looked great but the acting in those i think we all pretty much agreed across the board was god awful and so it's nice to see that when he's actually presented with some good actors that he can do a very very good job um overall because like i said the the webisodes look nice but the acting was terrible here everything across the board was was very solid i am a zombie (laughs) let me ask you guys this did you, when we saw the scene, the scene with, with, um, Dale and Andrea and they were in the camper and, you know, they were kind of looking for the ammo. I got the feeling that even though they've kind of been at odds with each other, that Andrea's still staying in the camper with Dale. Did, did you guys get that, that, that vibe too? Or, or no, she was just using it to wash up and clean up and, and look for stuff. I don't recall feeling I mean, either way. It seems to be somewhat of a base of operations for the outside camp. You know, a lot of scenes take place in there, whether it's with Carol and Dale or da- uh, Carol and Daryl or Dale and Andrea. There seems to be a lot of people hang around either on top or inside, which makes sense. I mean, it's going to be the most comfortable thing out there with, you know, actual mattresses and, and padded seats and stuff. Well, Daryl's yeah, yeah. been staying up by that, uh, that, I guess it's a cairn or an old fireplace or whatever, you know, by himself. In fact, I think there was a scene before Carl goes in to see, you know, the prisoner Randall. Where, you know, Dale goes to, uh, to Daryl and Daryl's like got his own little camp away from everyone else. Um, and he says that he knows about Shane and Otis. Um, I think that came before Carl going into the Randall, uh, cell, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, sure. Yeah, it happened somewhere in there. The, I, the synopsis I'm working from is not the most detailed I've seen. Um, but it's the best I could find. Yeah, he, he Dale makes his way through quite a few of the, uh, pretty much everybody except for T-Dog, quite frankly. He comes and asks, um, but I'm not sure exactly what order those happened in. So like Jim said before, then there's this uh, the scene with Daryl and Dale. Well, Dale goes to Daryl's camp and tries to convince Daryl that, uh, you know, Rick sh- siding with Shane is, is a big problem and that uh, the, the group still needs Daryl because Daryl's kind of separated himself. Uh, and this is where we get the conversation where Daryl reveals that he figured out uh, that Shane killed Otis as well. And he did it, surprise, surprise, by figuring out uh, that Shane came back with the dead man's gun. And I believe uh, it was our listener, Brett, who pointed out that uh, this whole thing could have been how Dale figured it out. But now it looks like while that didn't exactly work for Dale, it is how Daryl figured it out on his own. Yep. Very good. The weird part about it is that Daryl doesn't seem to care. You know what I mean? It's like he knew about it, but he didn't say anything. He just didn't care. And then we get that one line from Daryl where he says, this group is broken. Which we get, you know, echoed back later in the episode. Uh, I love how, I love how he's, you know, Daryl's kind of resigned himself to where, like, you know what, if the rest of the group, you know, wants this kid to live, you know, I don't, I don't really care. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump in and, you know, start a fight or, you know, pull a gun on somebody because they won't, you know, pop this kid in the head and move on. I, I, I thought that was, that was interesting too. I, I think, I thought this was a good, for, for the first time, probably in this back half of the season really, that we've had a really good Daryl episode. So I think between the opening scene and and then and then this bit here, I thought I thought was, you know, really good, you know, you know, 
finally gave gave Daryl so you know kind of a purpose and, and gave him something to do. And the very end. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. So after after this scene, we then catch back up with Carl, who after he gets kicked out of the shed with uh, by Shane, he runs into Carol. And, uh, you know, she, she tries to be nice to him and say, hey, uh, Sophia's in a better place right now, to which Carl snaps back, heaven's a lie, and anyone who believes in it is an idiot, which uh, quite upsets Carol. And she goes over to Rick and Lori, who are just a little bit over, uh, a little bit of ways over, and says, you need to keep control of that boy. He's he's sass-mouthing me or whatever phrase I didn't used. get this scene at all. What, what do you mean you didn't get I, it? Exactly? I mean, like, I, I, all right, maybe that's a bad uh, way to put it. I, I thought it was like an extreme overreaction by everybody involved. Yeah, it, d- it didn't work at all. You know, it's a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> the kid talked back. You know, he's kind of under extreme duress for the last, you know, how many weeks or whatever. Um, I don't know, Carol, maybe talk him through it a little bit and help him understand things better. You know, running to his mom and dad, and and then they're like scolding him about I I don't know. I get like they're trying to keep his childhood normal, and he shouldn't talk back. So that's how maybe they normally react. So they're gonna try to keep things that way. But it didn't it didn't work for me. Carol just comes across as a spoiled brat to me in this show, and um, I yeah her her reaction to that was was just completely. It just didn't feel right. It didn't feel true at all. It was like, oh, I lost my daughter, so I'm going to go tell this kid's parents that he's mean to me. It's just, I think that was a poor story choice. Plus, I don't know if they ever showed it in front of Carol, but Carl is like the biggest Sophia supporter. Like, he wanted to go out and help find her, and he wanted to, if they have, if the baby's a girl, can we name it Sophia? Like, I don't know if she was around for any of that, but you'd think that she would endear Carl more being the other young kid in the group. You know, like, I don't know. It's just the whole thing was just off to me. There's something I'd like to point out starting now and as we go through the rest of this episode. Something I would like to call Rick and Lori Grimes, Parents of the Year. And this is just the tip of that iceberg as this episode goes on, but we'll be bringing this up again later, I'm sure. I can already guess a few of the places you're going to bring it up. Yeah, I don't know if maybe it was meant to accentuate the fact that Carl is a little unhinged and, you know, to just draw more attention to it, that, you know, I, I, I'll agree. I, I think I didn't have a problem with her going up to to um, to Rick and Lori and basically, you know, tattling on, on Carl because, you know, she, A, he, that was, you know, the way Carl went off was extremely disrespectful and... And, and I could see, and I don't know if it was maybe one of those things like, okay, if, if, if Lori and Rick weren't around, she would have just like kind of stomped off and just let it go. But since she kind of turned around and they were right there and, you know, was visibly upset that she just kind of popped off to him. But I, I agree. I think, I think if they would have rewrote that scene a little bit and just, you know, maybe made a different dialogue choice, that it would have worked a little better. Um, you know, maybe if she just was stormed off and not even looked back and said, you need to do something with your son and just, you know, kind of kept on going that maybe, you know, they kind of, that, that would have sparked something and then, you know, not made a big deal out of it. But yeah, Carl's definitely, like, again, like we mentioned earlier, is kind of going a little off. And speaking of going off, after this, he, uh, after he talks with his dad for a few minutes and, and Rick gives him the advice, you know, don't talk, just think. You know, that's general good life advice and you need to go apologize to Carol. Carl doesn't do that, or at least we don't see it. Instead, he runs off to Daryl's camp. 
uh, where he walks up to the motorcycle and a, a nice little thing that according to Nicotero on the talking dead, he said that this wasn't in the script that they decided to add it last minute. They had Carl go up to the motorcycle and kind of pretend to rev the engines. I thought that was kind of a fun little thing that you'd expect a kid his age to do, or even, even someone quite a bit older. Uh, but then he rifles through the saddlebags and comes across a nine millimeter and picks that up and puts it in his belt and heads off into the woods, uh, which not a good, not a good thing for a kid his age or anyone to be doing uh, at that point. But hey, that's what I would expect a kid his age to want to do. For some reason, I thought he was going to pull out that bag of drugs. <laughs> he just starts doing some blue meth. Yeah. Rick and Lori Grimes, parents of the year. Uh, I, I will say I did like Rick, his speech to Carl. I mean, while, you know, he basically just told he didn't he didn't come down too hard, but he was pretty firm about him going to apologize to Carol. And I just I thought it was another strong Rick moment, like the way he talked to Carl. Like he wasn't going to accept the fact that that Carl was going to either try and backtalk him or get out of you know saying he wasn't going to apologize or he had nothing to apologize. I mean, Rick was pretty firm there, and I think it's kind of a, a more of a trend of seeing you know Rick that that's firm in his beliefs and and not afraid to speak his mind and to be more firm and not be as, as kind of wishy-washy. Rick not afraid to leave his child unsupervised with firearms and zombies. Yeah. I want to take this time just to say, I, I really think Andrew Lincoln is really giving it everything he's got. I mean, I've been really impressed with him uh, this season, especially, but it just seems like every episode he gets better and better. I'm really enjoying his stuff. Agreed. Yeah. And I think I partly it's due to the character getting more interestingly, interestingly, interestingly. No, I, I was, yeah, I was thinking that. I know what you're saying. I was thinking that when I said that out loud, and and that may be why. But the fact remains, he's just killing it every episode. And you know, like I said, this a couple episodes ago, we've seen the new Rick that we all know and love from the comic, and maybe that's why I'm feeling like I need to to vocalize how much I'm enjoying it. But I sure am. So when Carl heads off into the woods, he comes across a zombie stuck in the mud, which we've seen before on the show. There's kind of a, a swampy area on one side of the farm that keeps zombies stuck and they can't get in. That's what I was calling the zombie in my head, swampy. <laughs> I believe, I believe, now I don't know this for sure, uh, definitely on Talking Dead they refer to him as Swamp Walker, but I believe that's the name of like the uh, set two of action figures of the TV show action figures coming out uh, later this year or next year. One of them is Swamp Walker, so it's probably this one. Now, have we seen this walker before? He looks a lot like the walker that went into the RV after Andrea. Yeah, that discussion happened on Facebook as well. It's not the same guy, but this guy has shown up before in the show as a zombie. So Carl goes up to this zombie, and he's kind of, he's clearly kind of trepidatious about it, but he's also fascinated by it, and the zombie's stuck in the mud, so he can't get to him, so he Walks over to it a bit and kind of down an embankment. He throws a couple rocks at it. And by the way, speaking of uh, Rick and Lori Grimes, parents of the year, apparently Rick has never played catch with Carl. Because yeah, Carl it, throws like a girl, terrible. doesn't he? <laughs> he, he, thro he throws like a girl with scoliosis. I don't know if that even impacts how someone throws a ball. But yeah, he, he cannot throw rocks uh, worth a damn. But uh, so he throws a couple rocks and I don't. Did he actually hit the zombie? If he did, it was barely. Hit him in the arm. Yeah, he, I think the first one hit the guy's arm. And then he kind of he kind of walks down to it, and uh, he pulls out the nine mil that he took from um, the saddlebags on the on the motorcycle, and he's pointing at it, and he just kind of stands there for a minute or so, which gives the zombie time to wrestle free from the mud and uh, knock Carl down and grab him. Carl gets away, but he loses the gun, and he runs away back to camp. Okay, here's what I thought was going to happen. 
because this was a very, very tense, um, and again, hats off to Nick Otero for directing a, a, a well-put-together um, piece here. But I thought that Carl was going to walk right up to that to that zombie and shoot him in the head, or at some point shoot him, and then like he would, the noise was going to bring forth a herd and chase him basically back to the farm, and and it was just going to kind of go downhill from there. So I was not expecting what happened to happen, which is awesome because I always love it when, you know, again like the comics, you think you got to figure it out, and then something else completely different happens. So I thought that was that was really cool. And I would like to uh, give a shout out to on the Facebook group, um, Everard Santa Marina for for calling uh, this zombie Chekhov zombie because that will definitely play into the end of the episode. But I thought that was funny. Yeah, I don't get that. You'll have to explain it to me. He, there's a thing. Have you ever heard of Chekhov's gun? Yeah. No. Okay, so Chekhov gun basically he had this theory of playwriting that if in act one there is a pistol on the table by the time act three goes around somebody better be shot in other words don't put it in the scene don't put it in the script don't put it in there unless it's got a purpose it's kind of uh, uh speaking to the law of unintended consequences in drama yeah but also like just don't don't have a whole big discussion about, hey, I just bought this landmine in Act 1 if that landmine is not going to blow up and kill somebody by Act 3 because if it doesn't, you know, there is no point to that discussion type thing. Don't set it up if you're not going to knock it out of the park by the end. Have you read the latest issue of The Walking Dead comic number 94? No, not yet. I have. One of the, one of the characters says something that I think is probably going to fall into this category, what you're talking about. You don't say something like this unless it's going to come back around and have unforeseen consequences. I think I know who the next character is going to die in the comic book, but that's it's just a guess. Very cool. I can't wait to get around to that issue. So after the scene with Carl, we then catch it back up with Dale, who's making his rounds with the camp, and he meets up with Herschel, and he, said, he you know, kind of appeals to, look, you've shown before you're a man of conviction, and Herschel says, yeah, and my conviction caused a lot of problems and a lot of mistakes. And I just want this kid, meaning Randall, away from my girls. I just want them safe. And uh, when when Dale says, you know, well, don't you want to know what's going on? And Herschel says, no, quite frankly, I don't want to know. He, you know, kind of a this one synopsis I'm looking at says kind of like a punches pilot. You know, I, I wash my hands of this type thing. And it's quite true. That's quite exactly what it is. He just he wants to be there. He wants to have the farm. But at this point, he's taking all the all the regulation out of his hands and giving it over to Rick. And I love how he keeps saying that. I trust Rick. I trust Rick is going to do the right thing, um, which is awesome because, you know, prior to this, that, you know, that would have not been the case. I mean, he, he wouldn't, um, I, th- I think he felt like Rick was somebody you could talk to and relate to, but he's gone from that to being like, Rick is right. Rick has a good plan. He's a good man. His, you know, his head's in the right place. He's going to do the right thing. He's going to protect my family. I know that for certain now. And, you know, nothing else matters, you know. Yeah, this is my farm, but I'm just going to do what I need to do to keep it going, and you know, leave, leave it all to him. So I thought that was that was interesting. That um, this is a very, very different Herschel than what we saw, at, you know, at the beginning of the season. And it totally makes sense because Herschel has had that realization of seeing his loved ones keep coming after him after they shoot them in the chest three times. You know, and he kind of came right. clean in the bar scene where he gets it; he was wrong; he put everybody in danger. You know, so this matches up well, character-wise. Yeah, I, I think we'll put it over the top with when Rick blew those two guys away inside the bar. I mean, I think Herschel saw not only, like, if, if there's even anybody close looking like they're going to turn on us, 
and, and do anything to hurt us. And, and by us, you know, Rick is considering Herschel and his family and everybody at that farm as us, that he won't hesitate to move quick and that he's fully capable of, of doing what it takes. And I just, I just, I, I just like that Herschel kind of come to that realization. There's another nice scene with Herschel in this episode where it's him talking to Glenn, and it happens right around here. I'm not sure exactly what order, so we'll just bring it up now, um, where he brings Glenn in and he says, you know, where are you from? Glenn says, Michigan. He's, and But then Glenn, you know, inserts as well. But before that, uh, Korea. And Herschel has a nice conversation where he says, you know, this country was built on the backs of immigrants. My family came over from Ireland. And uh, he pulls out a pocket watch and says, I believe it was his grandfather, great-grandfather had brought it and passed it down. And uh, he hands it over to to Glenn and sa- and you know basically gives him his permission, his approval, and says you know make me proud type thing. This was your father's watch. Yes, <laughs> totally. Christopher Walken came to mind. <laughs> he Although shoved I, I this would watch. Not want to up keep his... that watch where Christopher Walken <laughs> kept the other one because that was a big watch. He traveled with this uncomfortable hunk of metal up his ass. <laughs> it was your birthright. <laughs> Dale also goes to Shane and he, uh, he talks to him and, and Shane actually kind of listens for once. He, he says, you know, you, you gotta, you know, a pair of cojones on you. And while I don't agree with you, you know what? You came to me like a man. I'll hear you out. And, uh, Dale makes his, uh, Dale gives his spiel to, uh, to Shane as well, which doesn't really go over, but hey, at least he got to make it, which brings us to kind of the big, uh, 12 angry men scene where everybody gathers inside the green, uh, living room. And they have not necessarily a vote, but an airing of grievances, a whole big discussion where anybody who wants to can can chime in and give their opinion. And it's how long would you say the scene was, guys? Like 10 minutes? Sounds about right. Maybe a little shorter. It probably seems longer than it actually is. But I've got it here in front of me. Let me let me just try to get an approximation while you guys are talking. Meanwhile, hey, look, it's T-Dog. Yeah, T Dog shows up, just almost speaks, there. and then he gets cut off. So yeah. I guess Dale yeah. didn't care about his vote or his uh, backing in this uh, meeting at all, or else Dale would have gone to talk to him earlier. So yeah, we love you, Irony, but man, they got to give you something to do. Although it looked like in the previews for next week, no spoilers, but uh, T Dog spoke in the in the preview. So he did get yelled at what to it? grab a shotgun later yeah, on. That's true. That scene was about six minutes long. Yeah, six and minutes. I, I don't think I've really been very upset. Uh, about anything like angry. I don't think I get angry at this show for any reason, but this scene really pissed me off because you've already mentioned it. That basically T dog is just a, a piece of furniture in this, in this scene. You know, he, he's just window dressing and you got a good actor who's just sitting there doing nothing. And Dale goes around and asks pretty much everybody what they think. And he just passes over T dog. Maybe they shot it and they edited it out, but for some reason it's just, Poor use of, of, of good talent and just upset me, that's all. It's very conspicuous for sure. Especially, I mean, Dale is going from person to person for support, you know, on his side of this argument, and he didn't even go to T Dog at all that we know of. So. Yeah, you'd, you'd think they'd have some com- camaraderie after stuff that happened earlier in the season, but oh well. And so, I mean, there, there was a, like uh, Brad said, it's a six minute scene. It felt longer, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on all sides, everybody making different arguments. Um, pretty much by the end, the only person Dale has swayed is Andrea, who has gone from kind of more on the fence than everybody else completely over to his side that they, that they shouldn't do this. But Dale's basic argument is if we do this, how are we any better than the people we're so afraid of? Which, uh, on, on Facebook, on the Facebook group, many people pointed out, well, we're not 
raping people. So that's at least one step up. And, and he never mentions that. But, you know, it's a legitimate question. If we're willing to murder this guy just because we think he could be a threat at some point in the future, or we think he might attempt to do something in the future, possibly, um, how does that make this any better than than the others, if you will, than the people that we're afraid of? And then it's the type of conversation they have in the comic. Uh, it's the type of thing that, again, they would have on Battlestar Galactica. It's a very pressing issue, and it's, it's a conversation they needed to have. I don't think I'd say it's resolved at this point, especially how the episode ends. But, um, you know, it's... It's one of those things. I thought it was a very well done scene, but like Brad said, it would have been nice to uh <laughs> to, to see T Dog's opinion or some of the other people's opinion who just kind of sat there and looked pretty. When Andrea spoke up that she had now jumped over to the Dale side, was anybody else expecting Shane to be like, "You gotta be effing kidding me!" <laughs> like something to come well, out of his mouth. He's looking at her with that look. I mean, I just happen to be looking at that scene right now and. You sh- the look on his face is saying just that without voicing it. Yeah, I thought Shane was very well behaved <laughs> in this episode. But so by the end of the scene, uh, they've decided pretty much not it's not unanimous, but enough people think that Randall is a threat or could be a threat in the future that they are going to kill him. And earlier, that, I mean, they'd been discussing maybe hanging him, which seems like possibly the least humane way to do it, in my opinion. But that's beside the fact that they... They decide not to do that. They decide to blindfold him tombstone style and uh, shoot him in the head. Can I just so, say one more thing about this? At go when, ahead. When uh, this is that part, when Dale walks off, this is that part where he goes over to Daryl and says, "This group is broken." That's that's the the comeback around with that with that line. But as soon as Dale said, "I'm not going to have any part of this," I just had a feeling. You know, it just had that. Oh, uh, so okay. Yeah, not, I think it, what was the phrase he used? I don't want to live in a world where. Yeah. When people are doing this type thing. Yeah. And yeah. I got kind of the same feeling in the back of my head that you did there, I think. Yeah, I so said this is not good. And um even if we hadn't heard of, you know, like possible I wonder if this is the last thing, you know, possible spoilers for who got it. Even if we hadn't heard that, I still would have gotten a really bad feeling because this was a really good, long, powerful Dale scene. You know, he got to he got to show his chops in this scene and uh I'm happy for Jeffrey DeMunn that, you know, he was able to have this kind of episode bef- before, uh, you know, it being his last one. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I, for one, had actually not read the spoilers about this episode, so I did not know. I had no idea that uh, he was going to be biting it in the end. Um, and I just, quite frankly, aside from that little spot there where I did get the feeling of, well, oh, that seems a little bit uh, foreshadowing. I, I did not expect him to, to die in the end. But kudos to Glenn Mazzara and the rest of the writers for kind of buying Dale back, you know, right at the last minute, because I know a lot of us and a lot of the Facebook fans, a lot of the listeners have had major problems with, uh, with the way Dale's been written this season, whether it's him suddenly being psychic investigator or just being busybody who's in in everybody's business. Um, this has not been the greatest writing for him all season until this episode, this episode kind of brought him back to the Dale we would kind of expect from the book or from season one. And uh, a guy who you legitimate, legitimately feel bad for in the end when he dies. And Jeffrey DeMite is um, a really great actor, too. I mean, given a better script, I, I, like you were saying, Jordan, I think he would have uh, you know, been a lot, had a lot more to do and a lot more of an integral part of the cast than he ended up being. But I mean, he's re- definitely got the acting chops from it, from the experience. And uh, it, it's going to be sad to see him go, but at least he went out in a good, you know, Dale centric episode. Definitely. So Rick 
Shane and Daryl are those the three guys who bring Glenn, or bring Randall out to the to the barn? Yes, yes, yeah. it is. The three of them take him out there. Uh, they they blindfold him, kind of tombstone style. Uh, they ask him if he wants to stand or kneel, but then Shane just knocks his legs out from him, under him anyway, so he's forced to kneel. And the kid is in tears, just kind of pleading for his life. And again, like I said before, I'm kind of surprised this is not where he pulled out. Hey, the bald guy wants to kill you uh, and take all your guns and and lock in lock you out of the house or whatever. But he doesn't, regardless. And uh, Rick's got the gun on him when uh, Carl walks in kind of out of focus and then into the shot and says, do it, Dad, do it. And Rick simply can't pull the trigger. Talk about creepy Carl when he mm-hmm. when he's standing there in the background and then you just hear this voice like, do it, Dad, do it. Red Kill Rob. Him. Red do Rob. It. I think you need some new speakers on your television, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exaggerating, obviously, but it was definitely creepy Carl in that scene. Rick and Lori Grimes. Parents of the Year. He very much reminded me of the child in The Omen, the original Omen with uh, Gregory Peck. He even has the same haircut, um, kind of that faraway stare. Um, but yeah, that scene, very creepy indeed. John, that was a good call. Uh, very much like The Shining. Red Rum. I loved this scene. The, the tension in this scene and with Carl and the Swamp Walker uh, really stood out to me. I didn't love the episode up to this point, but I thought those two moments were... Excellent. And the credit goes to, I guess, Mizara and Nicotero and, and all of the writers that it was, the tension was enormous in, in those scenes. And, and Chandler Riggs for being able to pull it off. I mean, this is a young kid pulling off very tense, dramatic, creepy material. Agreed. Do you guys notice Daryl's jacket in the latter half of this episode? It's got those big white angel wings on the back of his denim jacket. Yep. It's very, very prominent in, the, in that scene that we just talked about. Which is interesting, and I definitely noticed it as well. A, I'm going to assume that's Merle's jacket because it's a biker jacket and the, the motorcycle's Merle's. But also, and I don't think this is spoilers, but next episode's title is called Better Angels. And I just thought it was interesting that here we've got Daryl with angel wings and next episode is called Better Angels. Could have no co- no connection whatsoever, but I just thought it was interesting. It looked like to me that it was a leather vest, like a leather biker vest over a jacket. Yeah, yeah. Like two two pieces, yeah. Which means he's wearing a sleeveless shirt and then a jacket with sleeves and then a sleeveless vest. Well, a vest. I guess all vests are sleeveless. But two 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 layers of no sleeves, one with sleeves. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm looking at it. I just freeze framed it. It is a vest over a shirt. You ever see that episode of Family Guy when Stewie goes to high school and tries to eat low and he's like, I'm wearing a shirt sleeve over a long sleeve over a shirt sleeve over a long sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> that was genius. So they head back to camp and, and tell the group that they can't do it right now. Uh, Rick's not going to kill the kid. Uh, they're going to work something out. And uh, at this point, I, I figured who it is, but somebody says, oh, we should go tell Dale. And, uh, you know, they can continue that scene for a bit. And then they head over to Dale. Andrea says that. Is it Andrea? And so Dale is out in uh, the field, whether he's on patrol or whether he's just trying to get away from camp or whatever he's doing. It's not exactly said in the episode, but he comes across a cow that's not quite dead yet. It's getting better. And you know, it's, it's, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what's interesting is right at the beginning of that scene where we first see Dale walking, he walks right past the big pile of burned zombie bodies. Yeah. Yeah, true. Which is kind of gross. Um, and then he walks over and he sees this cow that's just been gutted. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's in its last moments. It's been gutted. He kind of looks at it in horror for a second. And then, uh, he hears a growl and spins around. And there is the swamp walker, the zombie that Carl kind of, uh, 
convinced, not convinced, but that kind of, uh, annoyed and then got its way out of the swamp. The zombie jumps on Dale and, uh, Dale is screaming for help and the zombie is being, his mouth is being kept away from Dale. So it can't quite get a bite, but, uh, it reaches its fingers down and with both hands just rips, uh, Dale's stomach wide open. And uh, by the time the rest of the group gets there, Daryl knifes the zombie in the head and, uh, Herschel tells him we, we can't even move him. There's nothing we can do. He's just gonna, he's just gonna die. So at this point, Rick points his gun at Dale's head, but he can't quite pull the trigger as Dale is just in, in clearly in extreme agony. And so Daryl takes the gun from Rick, uh, points it at Dale and says, I'm sorry, brother, and then pulls the trigger. And that ends the episode. Super that strange. That was very, very much reminiscent of a very similar shot in Boondock Saints, by the way. Yes, yeah. true. And they've yeah, been doing that shot them. on Walking Dead, right? From the like perspective of right in front of the barrel of the gun. Yeah, well, that's how we ended the first half of the season when Rick shoots Sophia and begin the second half of the season. I'm certain that was deliberate uh, for Norman Reedus, you know, uh, the, doing that shot with him like, like the Boondock Saints thing. Is this a uh, super strength zombie? That's You know, I saw a couple people say that, and I kind of thought the same thing. But Super strength? Well, what I'm well, saying is I, I'm being facetious, stomach. yes, because... To rip a man's stomach open with your bare hands, it would take quite a bit of force. But but my argument back was in every an- – I mean, there's a reason we refer to, you know, go for the underbelly. Every animal knows that you go for the underbelly. It's the weakest part of the body on pretty much any animal. Yeah, and we like, see the cow, like, disemboweled in almost the same manner. It's still – I could see it, using teeth and ripping it, getting it started and rip it open that way but i don't know fingers i'm not gonna listen i'm not gonna nitpick it's hey just, john they haven't shown any evidence that zombies are that strong they're actually pretty frail john uh, this is a show about zombies dude yeah they don't they rip people's Nicot- guts open with their hands dude they they don't they mentioned that to nicotero on the talking dead and he kind of he kind of had like a shrug for a little bit he said you know their fingers are a lot bonier, like the skin and the muscle and everything is kind of worn down. So it's almost like there's there's no there's no padding between the skin and the bone. So it's almost like if you took a bone and started digging into somebody's skin with it, that you would kind of kind of wear it away. And you know, Dale's an older guy. As you get older, you can get the <laughs> skin just a little thinner. It's okay. I mean, it was a cool scene. I just thought that it should be mentioned. Backing up just a hair, I got when Dale was walking up to the cow. I got a flashback to Jurassic Park when uh, when they Shooter. walk up no when they find that injured uh, stegosaurus or triceratops yeah oh and they pop like the pus on his tongue that scene yeah, yeah I think so pretty gross and Jeff Goldblum walks up and is like let us one big pile of shit. <laughs> now let me ask you guys something when they come up to when Rick decides he can't shoot um, Randall if Carl hadn't been standing there, would you have just completely rolled your eyes and almost thrown something at the television for him kind of kind of wussing out on it? Yeah, I I totally got the fact that he didn't want to kill somebody in front of his son. Well, I didn't. Re- I don't even think it was that. I think it was because Carl was egging it on. I think if Carl would have looked in horror or ran away frightened, I think Rick still would have gone through with it. I think it's the fact that he was getting ready to do this and it didn't. It not only didn't bother his son, but he was encouraging it and going to stand there and watch it as he, you know, shot a man in cold blood. And I think that's that's where the pause came in. And I and I was totally fine with that. I was like, that makes sense. You know, it's it's 
that moment where given everything else, he's kind of seen Carl becoming detached, you know, the way he was talking to Carol. And now he's, you know, ready to just, you know, encourage this to happen. It's like, what am I doing to my kid? You know, what, you know, what's going on here? Um, so I, I just, I thought that was, that was kind of cool that it, that it worked out that way. But yeah, if, if it wasn't for that, I would have, I would have been really, it, it's funny how one little thing like that is enough to, to, to change your, you know, opinion on, on how things happen. It's kind of a weird flip on the beginning of Game of Thrones in a weird way. Cause I mean, he makes his son watch the execution and that. And this, yeah. he, can't, he doesn't want his son to watch the execution. Right. So do we want to go around and do our Buster ratings? I give it four. I enjoyed this episode just as much as the last episode, but for different reasons. It felt like a comic book episode. One of the, one of the issues that just ends with that holy crap moment, not every episode, uh, not every issue of the comic ends like that with a holy crap, but this was one of those holy craps that you don't see coming in the comic. So it felt like the end of a trade. Well, I don't think the end of every trade ends like that. Um, so I would say no. I think that's that's incorrect. So it felt like the end of a hardcover. No, the, and the hardcovers don't necessarily end like that either. An omnibus. Every Yes, yeah, sure, the omnibus. Every once in a while, there's an issue of the comic that just ends with a holy crap moment, and this was that episode, that issue. This episode was just like one of those issues. The whole episode felt like a really, really good issue of the comic book. You've had ten, ten, uh, very tense scenes. You have your character development. You got your zombie action. You got your holy crap moment. That's what I love about the comic, that when they get that balance right, and I think they got the balance right on this. Like I said, I loved it just as much as last week. It was just nonstop balls-to-the-wall action last week. I got it. I loved it. But this one also, with the tension and the struggling with ethics and morals, it just it just felt wonderful. It felt like the comic, and, and that's what I wanted from the show to begin with. I will go three and a half. I felt a little annoyed and bored in the beginning between the Swamp Walker to the end. I didn't love all of the scenes, and I was really leaning towards like two and a half, three-ish. And then I really think the last scene nailed it again. Um, I, I kind of... I'm kind of glad to see Dale go. I don't know if that's wrong or not. I just didn't love the way TV Dale was portrayed. Um, yeah, it, it's not wrong. I would agree. I I think this was a mercy killing, basically, for, for Dale's character. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that we get to move on from that, and it will be interesting to see now. You know, I think Andrea might have some regrets about the way she acted, and maybe she'll switch more to the rick camp now that dale's gone i'm not sure but i think it leads to some for some interesting possibilities but i'm gonna go three and a half strong ending i didn't love everything in the beginning half i'll go i'll give it a i'll give this one a five to me this was definitely in the top three of probably the best episodes of this entire series in my in my opinion and and a lot of it was the writing um, I think the direction on this one, kind of similar to the pilot, really just stood out to me um, as as exceptional. I thought it was just very well directed. I thought it was well paced, um, and, and I just I, I love the fact that they did they did a lot to keep the tension going. Um, you know, between the the torture scene at the beginning, all the stuff with 
you know, when when Dale was going around talking to everyone and confronting them, I never knew what was going to happen, you know, especially when he went up to Shane, and that was kind of an interesting, you know, the Daryl and Shane, um, you know, really kind of amped up that tension because you really didn't know what was going to happen. And the way that both of those characters reacted surprised me. Um, you know, the, the way Shane just was like, you know, again, he was kind of like whatever. Um, I thought that the scene with Dale and Herschel um, was very, very well put together. And then, you know, of course, the end, the end itself was was uh, rewarding. I, I kind of agree with 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 you guys on your assessment of of it being kind of a mercy killing for Dale because they really haven't dedicated as much, um, or haven't given him a, as good of a shot at character development as they did maybe in the comic, um, or even really as they did as much in season one. Um, the only thing I worry about with Dale being gone is he was kind of always the voice of reason and kind of the one that pulled everybody back. And with him being gone, it, you have more of an up, of a upset in the balance between kind of these alpha male characters and the other characters that are a little more grounded. So, you know, now you've got Daryl, Shane, and Rick as, as kind of this, this strong alpha male force, um, you know, all kind of fighting for, you know, that, that kind of dominant role. And I think Dale kind of was a decent balance with that. So I'm really curious to see how it moves forward. But I, I, I'm really hoping, if nothing else, this makes Andrea a much more interesting character, you know, because of it. So, um, I, yeah, I can't, I can't praise this one enough. It, it, it really did it for me. And I wasn't on last week, but, uh, last week was funny because for me, it, it really flipped between being a two and a four. Um, yeah, so I, I, I guess somewhere in the, Two and three quarters to three range for last week. So to me, this was a big up upswing from from the previous week. I would give this a uh, four out of five busters uh, for the following reasons. Uh, first of all, I, um, Dale in the book and Dale in the show are two different characters to me. Dale in the book is like a trusted ad, uh, senior advisor to Rick. Dale in the show has been kind of a um, a snipey old lady in a lot of ways. And, uh, so I wasn't really too sad to see him go, but this episode kind of typifies for me a lot of the things I like about Walking Dead, good character moments, moral dilemmas. Um, Jordan, you were saying before about the, the Battlestar Galactica, um, parallel. I mean, when civilization is breaking down around you, how civilized is civilized? And that's kind of the direction they were going in the whole, like, uh, 12 Angry Men type scene that we saw before. Uh, I really dig that kind of, uh, you know, moral quandaries and, and things that are going on. Um, the, you know, it has the tension of the zombies. It had the zombie kills. It had, you know, the whole thing. Another thing I loved about the book was that you never knew who was going to go. You know, I mean, there's so, so, you know, major characters died off all the time in, 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 in the comic. And we see that here in the, in the show as well. Um, I had to deduct a little bit again for the, the, um, deletion of T-Dog. I really wish they would do something with this character. Um, I, I really like the Daryl moments. Um, so the, I mean, a four, a solid four out of five busters for me on this one. And I'll give the episode four and a half. I didn't like it quite as much as last week, but I still thought it was very, very solid. Nice. I'm hoping that this starts a trend in the size of the cast. I think. If they want to go out on a bang this season, they should kill somebody else next episode, and they should kill a second person in the last episode. And maybe this now this will free up some of the other characters to be developed a little more. I think one of you guys hit it on the head last week or the week before. The cast is too big. It just is. So, And we know there's more characters coming next season, so right. we, we got we to gotta start trimming down 
unfortunately. I, it's it's interesting you say that because in the Talking Dead, uh, they actually revealed that in the original script, the first version of the script, it was not a cow that Dale found. It was another person from the cast who had been killed. See, I think that would have been awesome to have two holy crap moments in one episode. But maybe maybe they're going to kill that person off next episode. It like, must have been T Dog. And then they decided, ah, we'll just stick him in that room and he'll stand in the side. <laughs> I sure hope Irony e. Singleton got paid as much as everybody else did for this episode. That was an easy day's work. I think this is a good time to add, as Brad kind of talked about the next couple of shows. Uh, don't search the internet for Walking Dead spoilers if you don't really want them. <laughs> because it seems that this episode, the previous episode to that, and next episode were definitely screened in some manner for the media, and the spoilers are out there. Um, if you search Walking Dead on the internet and, and dig too deep, you're gonna, you're gonna find them. Uh, I haven't seen anything around for the finale, so hopefully that one is maybe under heavier wraps, but definitely next episode, don't look if you don't want to find some stuff. Yeah, even if you just Google the title, when I did that to try to find the uh, the brief synopsis for the end of this episode, I got the full synopsis, which I quickly click, clicked away from so I didn't get spoiled anything. But it is definitely out there and very much too easy to find. Right. Yeah, so, it's funny. Jim and I were recording Legion of Dudes last night and uh, had Daryl Taylor on as our, as our guest. And um, at the end of the episode, he was like, because obviously we hadn't watched it, we we're going to catch the uh, the rebroadcast. And he said, he said, don't go on Twitter. Don't go on Facebook. And I was like, "Why? Walking Dead spoilers?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "He said you will not be able to avoid it if you go on Twitter or Facebook." So um, next week, if you don't watch the show live, I would recommend the same that you stay away from social media because uh, you probably won't be able to avoid it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how uh, it spreads like wildfire. See what I did there? Okay, I'm gonna do some quick Twitter comments, and then we'll go to Jim for some Facebook stuff as well. Uh, Michael says good riddance Dale. So there's some insight that people are feeling the same way as us. Joe Jan says, despite the poetically awesome ending, I still only give this episode two and a half silent tea dogs out of five. <laughs> yes. Joe Jans is an awesome tweeter. Uh, we heard from Ian who says you've got the best walking dead podcast by far. He's in the UK. Just saw six, uh, just saw 18 miles. And he had a big grin on his face the whole time. So thanks to him. Glad to have you. Belinda says uh, she wanted to give it a .5 or a 1. She's really ticked off. Uh, but the episode kept her up all night. So it must be a little bit better than that. Buster the Zombie says a solid 4 for him. Uh, Brad gave it 5 because of the death scene at the end. Before that, he was giving it a 3. Uh, he says, who will kill Carl next? So this is not the only Carl hate I have seen. Um, another one from Kathleen. Could Carl be any more creepy? I noticed a lot of Carl hate in the different uh, social networks that we're on, which is interesting. Uh, Fisty Larue, four point seven five, and she is still sad, so she was sorry to see Dale go. Five from Anthony and uh, Brett checked in to gloat that he got that uh, moment right that we had talked about earlier, and uh, Robert also checked in saying finally meaning the death of Dale, I guess. So uh, sounds like people are happy to see Dale go, like we said. There's a little bit of Carl hate going on for his kind of change in character. And, uh, you know, that's something we're going to see more of. Carl is definitely an evolving character. And uh, 
they're probably going to have to skip ahead between seasons to like one year later, or Carl is going to look all like uh, taller Ghost Walt. Yeah, taller Ghost Walt from Lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was actually something I wanted to bring up. Uh, well, two things. When we were at New York Comic Con, uh, I believe they had just filmed this episode, but they actually talked about Carl. Or the, uh, the actor who plays Carl Chandler Riggs said, "You know, you're going to see a lot of different sides of Carl this season, and he's going to be start stealing things." And we were. Very confused at the time of, you know, what in the world does that mean? Because we couldn't think of any uh, correlation to anything in the books. But now that we've seen this, and I know a lot of people, like you said, John, a lot of people were very upset with Carl in this episode, calling him creepy. But also the one I saw even more than creepy was them calling him stupid. And I kind of wanted to step up and defend him on that front, at least in the way of saying, yes, stupid, but totally feels believable for me. Uh, to me, for a kid of that age who's been through what Carl has been through, this does not seem off the mark for the type of things he would be doing at all. It seems completely real to me. Um, and beyond that, I mean, not to spoil anything from the comic because we won't get into specifics, but this is ex- this totally fits for the Carl in the comics. I mean, there are some things he does in that book over ninety. What, what issues you say that was now, Brad? Ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, over those issues, yeah. he has done some many things that would make you go, oh my God, you know, things that make this pale in comparison and not in a bad way, things that I'm really surprised a kid would do that, but it totally fits with the character of Carl. So for me, I think they nailed exactly how he should have acted based on the book, but also I think they nailed how he would have acted as a quote unquote real person thrust into this particular situation. Absolutely. Kids that are exposed to PTSD, um, generally do act out like that. I mean, it's, it's very much in character, not only for Carl, but for, for kids in general in stressful situations like that. Maybe they'll do the reverse sitcom convention. Instead of replacing a baby with an, with an overnight grown child, maybe they'll replace, you know, Carl if he gets too old with like a little kid at some point. I hope not. I hope they just do the time jumps because, I mean, even beside the Carl thing, that's something I, I just think they need to do. They need to move forward no, in the story and uh, jump ahead. Jim, do you want to do some Facebook comments? Absolutely. As always, we have a very active Facebook group on uh, Walking Dead TV Podcast. Join our group if you haven't already. It's, uh, it's uh, some of the smartest uh, comments you'll read on The Walking Dead on the uh, social universe here. Uh, we got some uh, ratings, some Buster ratings. Mike Jones gives it four out of five irony cameos and adds, P.S. Someone kill Carol. So a little bit of Carol hate there. Uh, Amy Jade's son gives it four busters. A little disappointed to see Dale's go so soon, but his constant moralizing was starting to get on our nerves anyway. So, like you said, John, the, the um, consensus seems to be it was time for Dale to go. Um, we got uh, Everard Santa Maria gave us 4.33 busters. Liked it better than last week, but for different reasons, and killing a major character has to be given a premium. Uh, Mick Muse gives it a four. Really enjoyed the episode, but... You know, Dale's preaching was going to be maddening again. A little bit of uh, of Dale hate there. Karen, uh, Mary Turk Pesheg says, going with four busters, agrees with most or all of the comments above. And kudos to the caller a few weeks back. He thought of him when Daryl explained how he knew Shane killed Otis. So uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, a solid four busters from Michael Santana. Uh, BDS Merck is it, uh, she says, I think I've settled in at three and a half busters for this one. I did enjoy watching the way Carl is back into his new world, and Dale's speech at the end was very emotion filled, but overall, I didn't feel, really feel as strongly about the episode until Dale bit it at the end. Um, there's also a lot of, uh, debate on the Facebook group about, um, the torture scene. 
uh, whether the torture is justified or not. It's a pretty interesting discussion. Uh, Susan Terrell gives the uh, episode a four, sent by the ending. She thinks it'll force them to review their humanity now that Dale is not there to do it for them. Jimmy Tucker, 3.75. Busters for him. The debate over killing Randall drug on a little for me. Rick should not have brought him back to begin with. Uh, Terry Bernard enjoyed the episode gave it a 4.25. And Newt Knight gave it a 5. But I hate it that Dale is gone. Hope Shane gets his soon. Wow, so a little bit of Shane need too. Very cool. And for anybody who would like to join in the fun, uh, you can search Walking Dead TV Podcast on Facebook. You can look for at WDTV Podcast on Twitter. Uh, might as well leave the voicemail number now. That's 516-468-7912 if you'd like to hear your voice on the show. We'd like to do that again. We didn't get any for this week, but that's okay. We're We're always ready for more. One last thing, Brad, I think we have an email from Aaron. Yeah, I got it. He gives us his full review, which will be up on our website later on. But his uh, encapsulated view, his, uh, what's the word? Expigated. That's thank you, Bill McGonnell. His expigated version of this review is as follows. He gives this episode four busters. While I know a lot of people really enjoyed last week's episode, I was just okay with it. What I really liked about this week was how similarly how it similarly had two separate storylines, Carl and Dale, and managed to bring them together at the end. It led to a neat twist that was very Walking Dead appropriate. Kudos to Jeffrey DeMunn for at least going out like a champ and slightly redeeming Dale's character this week. He had enough conviction to make his argument significant, even if he didn't provide much in the way of what to do instead. I also really liked Carl's arc here, even if he got himself into dumb situations. Stop! think and stop trying to get yourself killed was not advice he apparently wanted to listen to. Certainly curious about his ominous stare-off with Randall in the barn, as well as where his unintentional complicity in Dale's death will lead him. My written review is way more rambly, but overall solid episode. Good work by the actors. So long, Dale, and insert T-Dog joke here. Seriously, what's he been up to, and who gets Dale's hat? Nice. Again, people. You got Irony Singleton just blown in the breeze over there. What's up with that? We have tons of emails for this episode, and I think we're going to hold those off and maybe read some of them in the beginning of next show. Uh, we thank everybody for for sending them in, but uh, time constraints are not going to allow us to read them this show because we all want to go to bed. So that's it for this week's episode. We've already given out the Twitter and email and phone numbers earlier on in the episode, so you can check them out there. Uh, check out next week's show, and we're going to head off to spoiler-ish territory here in a second. But until then, so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, Rick and Lori Grimes, parents of the year. And like I said <laughs> earlier in the episode, uh, like I said, spoilers, the Next episode is called Better Angels, and I actually have two different uh, one-line one uh, synopses for it. I'm going to assume that one was released before this week's episode and one was after, because one mentions Dale's death. So here are both of them. The first is, someone dangerous may be loose near the farm. Rick, Shane, Daryl, and Glenn keep the group safe. And the second, due to the death of Dale, the group decides to get organized and secure the farm. So it sounds like there will be a lot going on next week, and I can't wait to see it. So everybody... Have a good week.
Edit. Uh, oh, no, no edit. Ready? <clears throat> Let's wait for Gavel to go, and Shepherds we still be for thee, my lord, for thee. You know, okay, you're showing off now. Yeah. Recording again. And I thought you were going to start singing Stone Temple Pilots there for a second. Why? Is that a song? Stopping this bitch? I am oh. smelling like the roses somebody gave me on my dearth birthday deathbed. On their dearth day, Beth dead. I am smelling like a rose if somebody gave me cause I'm dead and broken. Dead and bloated, by the way. Not broken. Right, Welcome whatever. everybody to the Walking Dead TV karaoke hour. No, please. If you forget, just look at Scott Whelan. He's bloated. The, the karaoke five minutes at max, please. <laughs> okay, so Brad, you get about three and a half more minutes. <laughs> All right, we're ready when you are, Mr. J, because I'm going to be falling asleep at the microphone any minute now. Yeah, that's Go why ahead, I took that nap, because I was Jay. in the same, same uh, boat. <laughs> I, I take you've been playing some Arkham City, Brad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great game. Hey, Lionel Richie's on TV right now on The Voice. How awesome is that? Is he a zombie? No, but he's my then man. Then I don't care. He's my man. <laughs> Hello, is it me you're looking for? Please continue with the thing so I can go to bed. Amen. Uh, where was I? I believe you were talking about Lionel Richie. <laughs> yes, yes. So his daughter's kind of cute, huh? No. Um, who is his daughter? Nicole? Well, I'm that all of a sudden. Nicole. Nicole Richie? Ew. Oh, you know what? I was thinking of... Um, Nicole Richie There's could some, be a zombie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're thinking of Rashida Jones. I, right? That's who I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Rashida Jones. Yes. Well, is Nicole Richie yeah. looks like she weighs about five pounds less than that swamp walking zombie. Yeah. Is Rashida Jones Lionel Richie's daughter? No, <laughs> Rashida Jones is is Quincy uh, Jones's daughter. Really? Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. But we're not here to talk about <laughs> Lionel Richie's non-daughter. We're not here to talk about Perhaps I should turn the zombies off. Rick pulls out uh, his python, and that came out wrong. (laughs) Rick pulls out his python, and... Wrong movie. All of a sudden, we're watching Skinamax. This is The Walking Dead, not The Walking... (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me while I whip this out. (laughs) Rick pulls out his six-shooter, and... uh... (laughs) Let's let's go with a different... Maybe... Did you just say six-incher? Rick pulls out his $5 foot long. And <laughs> At this point, which noun do you guys want me to use? Because they're all going to make Gun. Pistol. No. That's this <laughs> he pulls out his <laughs> balls. Okay, sorry. His gat. So at this point, Rick points his gun at Dale's head, <laughs> but he can't. I'm sorry. I'm going to move away from the microphone. One of the two. It's a Beavis and Butthead episode. All right. I'm going to move back to my mic. Maybe. Oh, it just came to me. Maybe Irony Singleton is the 14th Cylon. What? I'll spoil the episode right now. You dare me? I I read the synopsis. I didn't. I'd like not to be spoiled. You want me to tell you? I'll say it. I'm crazy. I'll say it. You want me to spoil it for you guys? No. Jordan, give me one good reason why I shouldn't spoil next episode for you. Because I could leave your racist comment in the episode when I post it. John, shut your freaking mouth. (laughs) It wasn't really that bad. Rick and Lori Grimes, Parents of the Year.